We could easily spend the rest of the night on any one of our readings tonight. They're all beautiful. They all speak of our Lord's love, his mercy, of his kindness, his desire to be one with us. We'll try to go through all of them briefly. Starting with our second reading, Paul tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ came to save us. I don't think we spend enough time contemplating that reality. Sometimes we, I think, get it into our mind or into our hearts that we have to be perfect before we can approach God completely. We have to have it all figured out. It is not the case. We are all works in progress. We're on a journey. It's a pilgrimage. We'll get back to that idea when we talk about our first reading in a moment. But while we were still estranged, while we were still enemies of the Lord, while we had still rejected him, he came to save us, to restore us. We can never overestimate how much God loves us, how much he wants to be with us. That wherever we are in our sinfulness, in our struggles, in our trials, in our crosses, he is near us, coming after us, wanting to heal each and every one of us. That does not mean that it is going to be easy. Again, on the contrary, it will be very difficult. Our Lord tells us that very, very clearly, time and time again. Our first reading comes to us from the Exodus event, and it's one of the main parts of the scriptures the church holds up for us to pray with throughout this holy season. Because the Exodus event is our story. God goes to free his people from slavery. Slavery to the Egyptians, but also slavery to sin. The entire Exodus begins, if we go back and read the beginning of the story, with God just wanting his people to go a three days journey out into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to God. The assumption is that they would go back into Egypt. As much as the worldly slavery is bad, it's not God's primary concern. His primary concern is right relationship, is right worship. God primarily wants to free his people from their slavery to false gods. Things that they have put before the one true God. And he leads them in this journey towards the promise. And of course, we, of course, we know in our own life that reaches its ultimate fulfillment in heaven. And so we go through the entirety of this life trying to allow ourselves to be set free from all of our attachments to sin. All of those things that we place before God. All those ways in which we regularly fail our Lord. While we are still enemies of God, he is trying to set us free trying to give us what we need in order to continue to pursue him. So with that sort of in mind, we get to our story today. They're wandering through the wilderness. They're no longer around water, and they get scared. This is something that they do multiple times at the beginning of their wanderings. They start to look backwards. They say it was better in Egypt. It was better when we were enslaved. It was better back there before we started moving in this direction of freedom. Anybody who starts on a true path towards God, that truly tries to pursue holiness in their life, will have moments, and for many of us, many of them, where we will say it was better before I started. Just think of this Lenten journey. How many of us said it was better three weeks ago? It was better when I didn't have to worry about fasting and abstaining. 
But on Fridays, I could choose my penance. If I didn't want it to be meat, I could do some other suitable sacrifice. Because remember, we always sacrifice something on Fridays all year long. I didn't do the extra time in prayer, the extra penance, or the extra reading, or whatever we've taken on in this season. How many of us are longing for Easter to come so we can let those things go? We are the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. And they turn against God. And again, think of what has happened at this point. God has worked the ten plagues, great signs of his power, of his authority. He's led them out of Egypt, taken them through the Red Sea. He's killed an army. And in the chapter before, he gives them manna and quail to eat. God has shown himself at least a dozen times, very specifically, I will take care of you. Whatever comes your way, I've got your back. They get thirsty, they curse God. They turn against him. Again, that is us. How often do we turn against God? We do it every time we sin. Do it every time that we reject to follow one of those promptings of the Spirit to spend some time in prayer or to reach out to somebody, to call somebody, to let God work through us. Every time we do that, every time we fail to let God into our life, we're sharing in that reality, that failure. We want to be honest with it because we want to allow ourselves to be opened to God's healing. Of course, God gives us in our story today is taking care of the problem. Water from a very unlikely source is a water from a rock. We can see water throughout the scriptures as a sign of grace, divine life, God taking care of us and our needs. We see that in our first reading and we see it fulfilled in our gospel. As I said at the beginning of Mass, we're celebrating the first scrutiny for those who are looking to enter the church at Easter. The church always gives us this reading to contemplate for those who are wanting to leave behind the life of old. And so for those of us who are already in the church, it's good for us to pray with, to remind ourselves of the journey that we are called to go through. Our Lord goes into Samaria. And again, that is hostile territory. Again, going back to Paul's second reading, this is the enemy. These are people that had turned their back on God. It's separated from the Jewish people. There's great tension here. You couldn't imagine a people much further away from the Jews. And yet that's where Jesus goes to offer this reconciliation. And because this is a very long, beautiful text, there's a lot that we could chew on. But in short, this woman is a sinner. And the five husbands that she's had, the one now that isn't even her husband, represents the ways in which God's people had fallen into idolatry how they'd walked away from God time and time again in their history. And so while this is an event that happened with an individual, she spiritually represents, again, all of us in the times that we continue to fail. She goes to get what she needs, water, when hopefully nobody else will run into her. The middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, when nobody else will likely be at the well. But in John's gospel, there's also this beautiful play between light and dark. And so it's also going to be the brightest time of day. And so she puts herself unknowingly into this position to encounter the true light from light, Jesus Christ. And she's at the well going after what she thinks will satisfy. Christ comes to her. Again, this God's first move always. He comes to us first. 
All we have to do is we have to respond. And he says, as much as you think that's going to take care of you, and here we can insert everything that we ever pursue in this world, every pleasure, whether it is sinful or not, every pleasure this world has to offer will let us down. Jesus says, you think that will take care of you, it won't. You need the true water. You need me. Then our Lord asks her for a drink. Sin is us going after things that don't belong to us. Adam and Eve in the garden, they can have everything that they want except one thing. And they grasp it. They go after it. In that moment, they sin. They fall. Every sin after that is a share in going after things that don't belong to us. Things that we shouldn't grasp after. Mary is the remedy. She receives. Whatever the Father has for her to give her, she accepts. We also might think of Jesus' prayer in the garden. Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass me by, let it pass me by. But not my will, your will be done. It's receptivity. It's radical trust. And the first move in this woman's conversion is letting go of something. Freeing herself just a little bit. And that small little move is enough for Christ to come in to work, to change. During this Lenten season, we make sacrifices. We give up different things. And hopefully we spend time in prayer asking God to show us what we need to do in our life. Again, what we give up or what we take up. What we remove or add. And in those moments, they become opportunities for Christ to do what he does in the story. To come in to offer us healing. Then the story goes on. And what do they talk about? Right worship. Because everything goes back to worship. Everything else goes back to what we are doing here. And what does Jesus say? Eventually you will worship in myself. I will be the temple. He alludes to that several times in his ministry. And so what do we have at our highest form of worship? Jesus Christ. We adore him. We receive him. Again, those who are preparing to enter the church... So be the height of their initiation, receiving our Lord in the Eucharist. The conversation goes on. This woman has a change. And again, of course, there's a lot that we could talk about. But it leads her to going into Samaria, into the Samaritan towns, going into enemy territory herself. And she tells everybody, I found the Messiah. I found the one that we've been longing for. I know I've said this before, but what does she tell everybody? He told me everything I have done. And so in the conversation that is not recorded, they talk about every one of her sins, every one of her failures. That's why it's of utmost importance that each one of us takes all of our sins to our Lord, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. Making sure that every one of them comes up out loud to our Lord. He doesn't just walk up to her and say, think in the silence of your heart, your sins, and you'll be forgiven. He could have done that. But he makes them be spoken out loud. It's what happens in confession. And in that exchange, healing takes place. And that is what she shares with people. She doesn't say, I had this beautiful conversation with a great man. This man said he would give me whatever I need in the future. He will be the true and living water that will take care of every one of my needs. She doesn't just propose the good things that the world, or they're tied to the world. She goes into where it hurt where she had abandoned God, where she was the enemy, where Christ came to reconcile with her. And that is what she shares with the people. 
And it invites other people, it draws other people into the mystery of God's love. We are called to do the exact same thing, my brothers and sisters. To encounter Christ, to let him heal us through us giving a little offering to him, reconciliation through the confession of our sins, and taking the good things he's given us out into the world to share it with our brothers and sisters. At the end of confession, there are several different ways in which the priest can sort of wrap up the sacrament and dismiss the penitent. The one that I've been using fairly often recently when I remember to and don't fall into old habits is go in peace to proclaim to the world the marvelous works of God who has saved you. Isn't that what this woman has done? I think of the lives that are changed. The lives that without her going out to proclaim the good news, her encounter with Christ, her reconciliation may have spent eternity in hell. May not have had that opportunity to worship the true Christ. Because of her mission, because of her accepting the role that God has given her, her destinies are changed. We can have that same impact on people's lives. Our failure to act might mean they continue on the direction to hell. Our proclamation might be the invitation they need to encounter Jesus, to be healed themselves. This is the heart of our Lenten season. This is the heart of the entirety of our life. And so sit with these readings throughout this week, maybe several times, praying with them, slowly chewing on them, asking God to put you into the story to show you the ways which he wants to offer you healing right here, right now. And take that message, take that healing out into the world. As we continue in our Mass, let us pray in thanksgiving for all the ways in which the Lord reconciles us to himself, especially when we have wandered away. Let's pray that we can receive his mercy tonight and share it with those who need it.